last week we talked on the, the, the cross. I was talking about the, the cross, especially as it related to Jesus. And we saw that in the life of Jesus, it was heading towards the cross. That was the goal. That was the vision. He was born. And we remember his birth at this time. But he was born not just to be a little baby. He was born to grow. And he was born to accomplish a vision, to accomplish the will of the Father. And that was to go to the cross. And we saw how Satan tried to deflect him from that main vision of his life. But we know he hit the mark. He died on the cross. He rose again from the dead so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be in the family of God, so that we could know the Lord in a wonderful and precious way. Now, this morning, we're going to continue on that, that theme of the cross, but more as the cross relates to our lives. And so we'll be talking on taking up, taking up our cross, taking up our cross. Now, there's a couple of verses which are used over and over again by the Lord Jesus. In fact, both these verses, we see these verses in Mark 8, verse 34 and 35, but either the first one or the second one is repeated sometimes several times during the Gospels, probably about five or six times during the Gospels. So Jesus is saying, he's just, when Jesus repeats something, and he repeats it again, and he repeats it again, and he repeats it again, he's saying, well, well, listen, guys, just listen, listen. This is important. This is important. Let it sink down. Let it go down into your heart. And these are the, these are the verses, Mark 8, 34 and 35. When he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And the next verse, which is also repeated about six times in the different gospels, for whosoever will save his life will lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So Jesus here, you know, Jesus is not saying, well, you know, come to me and life will just be rosy and there'll be no problems, there'll be no trials, there'll be no difficulties. No. We know that a cross, a cross is associated with death. And to hang on, to hang on a cross, you know, in Bible days, only the, only the worst of the worst criminals were, were killed that way. And the shame of the cross but Jesus says to his disciples, and he repeats it over and over, if anyone's going to follow me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross, let him follow me. He doesn't try to make it easy. In fact, he makes it very difficult to follow him. Now, and Jesus also said, something which is possibly even a bit stronger still. He says, if we don't take up our cross, if we don't, if we decide not to take up our cross, then Jesus says in 
Luke 14, 27, he says, we cannot be his disciple. We cannot be his disciple. And you remember the great commission of Jesus. The great commission was go into all the world, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And basically it's speaking there of making disciples, teaching and making disciples. A disciple is a follower, is a, a disciple, it comes from a word which speaks of being disciplined, is a disciplined one. And Jesus said in Luke 14, 27, if we don't bear our cross and come after him, Jesus said, you cannot be, you cannot be my disciple. Wow, that's quite a statement. You, you cannot be my disciple if we don't take our cross. And he said another thing about if we don't take our cross, if we don't take our cross, take up our cross and follow Jesus, Jesus said, we are not worthy of him. Not only does, does he say, you cannot be my disciple, but he also said that if we don't take up our cross, and this is in Matthew 10, verse 38, you are not worthy of me. You're not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Is not worthy of me. So, first the negative. If we don't take up our cross, Jesus is saying, he's saying, firstly, he's saying, we cannot be his disciple. And he's also saying, we're not worthy of him. So what he calls us to do in our text, in our verse, he says, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross, take up his cross, take up his cross. Now, in that main verse in Mark 8.34, which we've, we've looked at, Mark 8.34, when Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Really, that is not, it's, it's not, there's no options, there's no choices. You can do this or do something else. It's just point, point blank. It just, he just says it as it is. If you don't take up your cross, you cannot be my disciple. So it is a, basically, it's a command of Jesus. It's a command of Jesus. It's not, there's nothing optional. It's a command of Jesus. If we, if we don't, it's a command of Jesus to take up our cross and to follow him. And then in Luke 9, 23, in Luke 9, 23, Jesus just adds one word in Luke 9, 23. And he says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now, it's again, he's repeating from, from Mark, Mark, Mark 8. And he says, deny himself and take up his cross daily, daily, and follow me. So most of the others, the others, Times when it's used in the Gospels, it doesn't mention the word daily. But here, Luke, he adds that word that Jesus used daily. Take up our cross daily. So we're, we're, Jesus is commanding us, basically, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to be disciples, to take up, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily, and to follow him, and to follow him. So it was not an option, it was a command, 
and it was something that the Lord wants us to do daily. So it's speaking of daily, every day, day by day, walking in the crucified life. The Apostle Paul, he was able to say, and the Apostle Paul, you know, he had, he had such a great ministry. And people say, wow, wouldn't it be wonderful to see the things that the Apostle Paul said, the miracles, the raising of the dead, the power of God, the churches he started. And yes, that would be great, it'd be wonderful. But the Apostle Paul, his sufferings were great. His persecutions were great. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He had all kinds of abuse held at him. He, he was persecuted greatly. So, but he said, he said, I, he writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he says, I die daily. I die daily. In other words, he's saying, every day, I deny myself. I take up my cross every day. And I follow him. I follow Jesus. Now, we are to, the, the cross, when we talk about the cross, and we talk about us taking up our cross, or when we are bearing our cross, it is tailor designed for every one of us. In other words, I don't know how many are here this morning, if 60 or 70 or whatever we're here this morning. Each one of us, each one in our sanctuary this morning, God has especially a special cross which is tailor-made for you to take up and for you to bear that cross if you're going to follow Jesus fully, if you're going to go on in the purposes of God. And there's a personal cross. There's a personal cross. And it's different for everyone. It's tailor-made for you, for me. And so you can't, you know, copy somebody else. The cross is different for every person. And if we're not willing to take up our cross and follow Christ, Jesus said we're not worthy of him. We're not worthy of him. We want to be worthy of him. In Mark chapter 10, we, we read the story of the rich young ruler. And he came to Jesus and he said, well, Lord Jesus, what, what must I do to receive everlasting life? And Jesus spoke to him about the commandments. And he kept the commandments that Jesus mentioned. He said, well, I've kept all those commandments I haven't committed adultery. I haven't st stolen, st stolen things. I haven't done it. And he went down and he, he listed the, the, the commandments that he kept. And then Jesus loved him. And Jesus looked at him. And then Jesus said, he was a very wealthy young man, very wealthy. And Jesus said to him, go Sell your belongings, give, give them all away to the poor, and come, take up your cross and follow me. That's in Mark 10, 21. Take up your cross and follow me. So he told him, sell everything, give it away, give it to the poor, take up your cross, then you can follow me. Now, that was his personal cross. His, he, he, did not, he did not, 
embrace Jesus. He did not, he, he, he missed out. He didn't do it. He wasn't willing to do it. He wasn't willing to take up his cross. It was too hard for him. He loved his riches so much. And basically the problem was that his wealth, I mean, some people can have wealth, but they hold it very lightly. Other people can have wealth, and that's their God. And, and that was the problem with the rich young ruler. He turned away. He, he, could, not, he could, not, could not do that. He was not willing to do that. And it was like the, the, his money was more important to him than Jesus, than following the Lord. And, but that was, that was his personal cross that was required of the, that rich young man. But he refused. He failed. Now, Jesus also spoke to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was also a wealthy man, one of the Pharisees. But Jesus did not even mention anything about money to Nicodemus. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about being born again. So the cross is different things to to, two different ones. And when Jesus went to the cross, that was his goal. That was his vision. That was was the, the vision of his life. He was born to die. Otherwise, no salvation. But the enemy, as we saw last week, tried to deflect them off that path. And when the call of God is on our lives, and I believe God's call is upon our lives, and God is wanting to use us, we're praying for revival and mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God in this, in this area, in, the, in our church, in our valley. But you know, there, there is a price to pay. There is a price to pay. Are we willing to take up our cross, you know, daily, daily, as Jesus said? In Matthew 10, in verses 34 to 39, I mean, Jesus said these words. He said, Think not that I'm come to bring peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be those of his, his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then verse 38. Again, this verse which is repeated over and over. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life will lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And again, that verse, repeated over and over again. And in these verses we've just read, the context of the cross is not money. It's relating to family life. And some some people, you know, have a great family life and their, their father and their mother, they're, they're Christians and they've been brought up in the ways of the Lord and they've got a wonderful family. And they should thank God for that. And that is an incredible blessing, incredible blessing if we're having it. And their cross will not be in their family. God will have another cross for them in some other area. You know, when I first got saved in, in New Zealand, I was 18. I was at just at the end of my first year of university, 
When I made a commitment to the Lord, I mean, I was, I was full on. I mean, I, I wanted to serve the Lord with all my heart. And my parents had been very good to me in many ways. In many ways, they were very good parents. But at that time, I mean, especially when I wanted to go to Bible school and everything, I mean, they did everything they can to stop me following the course that I felt God wanted me to take and taking up my cross. I mean, it was, it was I cried many tears and, you know, you're wasting your life, and, you know, doing more harm than good. And one aunt said to me, you know, no girls could ever marry you and, and, uh, and uh, you know, the thing of, you know, getting a job and my, my father was a managing director of a company and in New Zealand and, you know, thinking of security and so on. And for me to go to the mission field as I, you know, went, I mean, that was, and then to go to Bible school, I mean, there was a head-on collision. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, you know, I followed the Lord. You know, my father died many years ago. My mum, she's alive, she's over 100. And, uh, you know, I've got a good, very good relationship, very good relationship with her, you know, at this time. But, um, and, you know, God can turn things. God can turn things. But the cross, I mean, it could be many different things. Could be some debilitating sickness. You know, a cross could be even, even a son or a daughter or a wife or a husband, especially if they're not following the Lord and going in a different direction. And, you know, for some, the cross is the verbal attacks of family members, you know, against their, against their faith. For others, it may be having to take a stand against family and relatives because they are taking a separate path in life, the wrong path. So the cross, the cross is tailor-made for each person. For some, it is a certain reproach for some a certain sorrow that they, that they have to bear. And so if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we must be willing to go the way of the cross, to take up the cross. And this is beautifully brought out in John's Gospel, chapter 12 and verse 24, where Jesus says these words, verily, verily. Truly, truly, very, very. In other words, Jesus, when Jesus says those words, he's saying, he's repeating it. And, and the, it's repeated for emphasis. In other words, take heed, listen up. This is important. Verily, verily, I say unto you. And he says, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. So, a grain of wheat, just a little grain of wheat, it must be buried under the ground if it's going to reproduce. It's got to die. It's got to go under the earth if it's going to come forth, if it's going to, going, going to be reproduced. If it's preserved, if it's not put in the ground, it will not multiply. It'll just stay the same. In fact, they found some, some grains, I think it was grains of wheat or grains of something, way back from the time of the, you know, way back, going, going way back to the, 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 
the time of Moses, which is about 1500 BC. That's about three, three and a half thousand years ago. And they found these grains and they've planted them and they've reproduced after three and a half thousand years. I mean, incredible. So through nature, we know that multiplication is only possible through death. And Jesus was saying, you know, he said, Very, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat. Jesus was the corn of wheat. He was going to be planted into the ground. He was going to be crucified. And these words are just before he went to the cross. Now, the grain of wheat is ineffective and it's unfruitful as long as it is preserved. But when that grain of wheat is put into the ground and goes under the ground, then it comes up and it bears forth fruit. And in the church, in the early church, it was by the death of the martyrs that the church grew. There's a saying, they say, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. In other words, the same principle. Through death comes life. Through death comes multiplication. Jesus had to die on the cross. Then he rose from the dead. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. There was multiplication. By death comes life. So like that grain of wheat dropped into the earth, it dies, and it doesn't happen straight away. You've got to wait. You wait. It begins to grow out of the earth. First the blade, then the ear, and then there's the full corn in the ear. Now, all of that, the blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear, that was all inside that one grain of wheat. But you could not see it. But when it died and it came up, it multiplied and you could see it. Husk that grain and get all the grains and put them all back in the earth again. And one day, you, and, and you will see what lay hidden in the first one grain of wheat. Incredible. The one grain of wheat, if it's planted and it reproduces, and you take all those grains that are multiplied by, reproduced, and you plant all them, and you do the same over and over again, you're going to get millions and millions and millions, billions, trillions of grain of wheat just from one, just from one seed. Incredible. Through death into life. Jesus is speaking of himself. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. His fruit would be, the, the fruit for Jesus would be the, the salvation of all the believers throughout all the history of man. In the same way as we die to ourselves, our, our lives, our influence can be multiplied. We must die to self in order to produce spiritual fruit. Before there is fruit, death is necessary. Jesus had to die before Jesus had to die before they had a harvest in the early church. And if we desire to rule and reign with Christ, we also must die. Jesus said at the Garden of Gethsemane, nevertheless not my will, but yours be done. Lord, you know, many people serve the Lord, but they serve the Lord on what they think on their own agenda 
Is it their agenda or is it God's agenda? And Jesus said about the cup, he said, nevertheless, not, not my will, but your will be done. So what do we have to die to? To our will, to our desires, to our plans, to our rights. And we must, you know, say to the Father what Jesus said. Father, not my will, but yours be done in my life. And in the following verse, the following verse, it's the one we've read several times already, John 12, 25. He that loves his life shall lose it. If we love our life, if we hold on to our life, we lose it. He that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto everlasting life. And again, this verse is very important and it's repeated by Jesus. I think it's repeated at least five times, at least five times. So Jesus was saying that the man who holds, who holds onto his life, who hugs his life, who wants to do his own thing, must in the end lose it. But the man or the woman who spends his, spends his life, in the end, will gain it. You know, are we seeking the, the, goods, the goods of this world, the material things of this world, the honours of this world? Or are we looking to the world to come? This world is just 70 odd years. I had a birthday this week. I was 75. I've gone over my three score. I'm, I'm living on borrowed time. I'm 75 now. Five years over my three score years and 10. And I want to make the use, make maximum use of my life, my time, and everything that God has given me. I want to use it for his glory. And, you know, nobody knows, nobody knows when we're going to meet the Lord. Just think of Cammie. I mean, here she was. A couple of months ago, she was sitting in this pew. 39. Now she's with the Lord. You know, totally unexpected, totally unexpected. That could be any one of us. It could be any one of us. Nobody knows when we're going to go, when our time is. Are we living for the Lord? This life is so short, from there to there. After we die, all eternity, forever and ever and ever. Let's li live. Let's live in the light, not of this life, but let's live in the light of eternity. In the light of eternity. There was a famous Indian Christian. His name was Sadhu Sundar Singh. And he lived in the early 1800s. And he was a very precious soul. And he was called the Apostle of the Bleeding Feet. And he traveled in the Himalayas and in the, in the, in the, in the mountains of, of Tibet and everything bare feet, and so on. And many experiences, many answers to prayer, delivered from 
tigers and lions and wild animals. One time he was throwing, he was preaching in a village in Tibet. He was throwing down a pit and the door was locked in the top. And he's beginning, you know, about three days had gone by. And, you know, terrible situation. And then he heard a noise. And it was the metal top. It was, it was open. The lock was opened and opened up. And then there were some, like some sheets that were lowered down. And then he heard the voice to hold on to them. And he held on. And he was pulled up. He was pulled up to the top. And when he got, and when he got to the top, there was no one there. There was an angel of the Lord that had rescued him. And one time he was on another one of his travels in the mountains of Tibet. And he had a, he had a person who was with him, a companion he was traveling with. And there was a snowstorm and a severe blizzard. And they were exhausted. And, you know, close to, you know, close to death. They were exhausted. And they, they, they came across a traveler on the track. And as they were going along this little track, there was another traveler. And he'd been overcome with the cold and the snow and the exhaustion. And he collapsed from, and he, and, and, and he was dying. He was, di- he, was, he was dying. He couldn't walk any further. He was exhausted. He was lying down on the track, waiting to die. And Sadhu, Sadhu Sundar Singh said to his companion, we must help him, we must help him. We must do what we can to, to, to save his life. And the companion said, no, if we try to help him, we will die ourselves. And so Sadhu's companion just went on ahead by himself. And Sadhu was determined to help this dying man do everything he could. And even though he was, even though he was, he was very exhausted himself, he managed to pick up this man, pick him up and get over and then put, him, put this man who, who was dying on the, on, the, on the track there, put him on his back. And, and with much pain and, and effort, he began to, to walk. And he began to walk. And I think he got about one mile. He, he got about one mile. But the warmth from this man's body somehow came into him and, and gave him new strength and energy and began to sort of like warm him up because it was freezing. And they'd gone about a mile. And then they looked on the track. And it was Sadhu's companion who was trying to save his own life. There he was on the track, dead. He tried to save his own life. He lost it. But Sadhu carried on with the man on the back. And they went a little bit further. And then they came to a little hut. And there was a fire there. And they were able to get warmth. And they were able to get some food. And... They recovered, they recovered. Sadhu, he was willing to lose his life, to try to save that man. He was risking losing his own life, but he found it. The other guy trying to save his life, but he lost it, but he lost it. Jesus is calling us, you know, to take up our cross and to follow him. Are we willing to take up our cross to suffer, to maybe 
to be forsaken by our friends. But Christ alone can satisfy the heart of his crucified ones. And you know, the Apostle Paul could say, he could say, Philippians 3.8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and to count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Remember, Jesus, he's our pattern. He's our model. And may we be those who will joyfully deny ourselves, take up our cross, and take up our cross daily and follow him. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we... We thank you for your words. Lord, that if we're going to follow you, Lord, you've called each one of us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross daily and to follow you. And Lord, you said, if we try to find our life, we'll lose it. But if we're willing to lose our life, for, for your sake, we will find it and we will find true satisfaction and true fulfillment. Lord Jesus, you're our pattern. You're our model. You're our example. Even willingly, you obeyed the voice of your Father. You shrunk not from taking that cup of sin so that we could be saved. Lord, may we not just live for ourselves, but may we live for you and live for others. Lord, if we're not sure, we pray, make clear what our particular cross is that you've called us to, to bear and to carry for your name's sake. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'd give us the grace, Lord, to know that truly, like the Apostle Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Lord, may we know by experience that that old man, that old nature was crucified with Christ. Oh God. Lord, I just pray for each person here. Oh God, a desire to be all out for you to be fully committed to you and your purposes in these last days. And be willing, Lord, by your cross, by your grace, to joyfully and willingly. You, Lord, you said, for the joy that was set before you, for the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. Lord, you're our example. 
Lord, for the joy that you have set before us of eternity, eternity with you forever and ever and ever. May we be willing, joyfully, to take up our cross daily and to follow you. Lord, see all these words to each of our hearts in your precious name. Amen.